Hello, hello, this is Tracy Harrell, and welcome to Bigger Than Me. Each week, we focus on how to achieve your definition of success and happiness. On Bigger Than Me, we bring together a combination of ageless wisdom, the latest research, and engaging interviews with amazing people who are sharing their stories to help each of us achieve our full potential. Your journey to transformation begins right now. Let's do this. All right, let's do this. I am Tracy Harrell, and I am so excited today. I am beast. I'm actually doing a Facebook Live as well as a YouTube Live. So as I look over there, it's because I'm looking at the Facebook audience. And as I look right here, I'm actually on live on <laughs> radio, uh, 1150kknw.com, live on YouTube. And so hello to my YouTube family. Hello to my Facebook family. I'm doing this as a part of this Be On TV boot camp. What they said to us is, just do Facebook Live. Even though you're uncomfortable, just do it anyway. So that's what I'm doing. And I am Tracy Harrell. Part of what I do, I'm an author. I'm also a coach, an equity and inclusion coach, a leadership coach. I have 25 years of experience in corporate America. I worked eight years at IBM, 14 years at Disney, my last five at Microsoft. And, and, and what I realized is part of my mission, part of my strategic goal in life is to help others to live their best lives either whether that's from a leadership perspective or whether that's actually from a, oh, um, whether that's actually from a equity and inclusion perspective. And so today I am continuing a conversation with Rex Brown. Rex Brown, who happens to be one of my most favorite individuals. Um, we just had a situation with Facebook Live. I love doing live shows because you <laughs> never know what's going to happen. Right? So it's like, okay, I'll just focus on you guys. So what's really exciting is, Rex, tell us again who you are and tell me what your definition of inclusion. What is your definition of inclusion? Okay, so uh, again, my name is Rex Brown, uh, Program Director for the Governor's uh, Subcabinet on Business Diversity and Supplier Diversity. Um, I uh, am originally from Providence, Rhode Island, spent most of my life in uh, uh, Boston, Massachusetts, moved to the state of Washington, oh, um, six years ago now, actually, this month, it will be six years ago. And um, uh, while I was in Boston, uh, I got a um, uh, dual degree in uh, English and philosophy and uh, uh, went to law school after hiatus returned, got my uh, law degree and uh, entered uh, government service, been involved in government service for quite some time, actually, uh, since uh, uh, 98, which is a long time. It's a long uh, time. And, and this work for uh, over 16 years. Uh, you say, when you say this work, first of all, equity, this work diversity, and inclusion, doing specific transformational programs, whether it be for workforce development, um, uh, uh, supplier diversity, uh, uh, or uh, any of the uh, several social and health uh, service programs um, uh, I've done uh, throughout my career. I love it. So if you're focused on trans transformational programs, that's actually the work that we're doing right now. And so uh, we brought you, you've been a part of this initiative that we're leading. It's called the Bigger Than Me Success Series, Achieving Racial Equity and Inclusion in Business, Education, Wealth and Health. We know that there are systemic changes, systemic, systemic challenges 
that mm-hmm. exists, systemic changes that are needed. And so you and I are talking about systemic change. So when you talk about this work, the most effective work that we can talk about when it relates to diversity is really about inclusion. It's about combining the two of those because all the research would say, I think we talked, we started our last session on this and we're going to come back to that. But all of the research says that companies that are diverse aren't necessarily getting the benefits of the diversity, the business case for diversity, right? right. That business case for diversity says that companies that are more diverse are more profitable, they're more creative, they're more successful. We know that to be true. But unless companies are also focused on inclusion, they're not getting the benefits of this concept of diversity. So you and I are going to talk a little bit more about what companies can do. What can they do to actually drive change? What can leaders do to think about this concept differently? So if you had to, first of all, we talked about awareness. How important is awareness to this, just awareness that there's a problem? Uh, awareness is crucial because uh, if you aren't aware either as um, a person uh, who is diverse, uh, uh, actually we're all diverse, but a person who's minority, a woman, one of the marginalized, underrepresented uh, communities, um, then um, you really run the risk of perpetuating uh, the kind of systemic uh, racism that we see throughout the country. Uh, Awareness is key to also activating our power to make changes within the system. Uh, you can't make change if you aren't aware. So that's uh, uh, awareness is actually crucial. It's crucial. And I, and I think, you know, we have company, every company, every major organization in, in, the, in the U.S., I would say the Fortune 500, they've all had some type of training for their leadership team on this idea of unconscious bias or this idea of similarity bias unequal performance standards. These concepts are not new. And what we're asking people to do is to think about them in a new way, in a new transformative way. If you really want to be a part of change, then we, you know, we have tons of data, tons of research from Fast Company, Harvard Business Review. Actually, every institution, every academic institution in the U.S. has done research that substantiates the fact that diversity is only one aspect of the, the solution. It's really about inclusion is the solution that allows you to benefit from diversity. Right. That is universally sound, university, universally sound. I, I actually read a magazine just a month ago in Fast Company, and it had like 50, 20, I don't know, different links to all this other research. So it's the easiest topic for you to verify. We mm-hmm. understand the concept of diversity. We're going to talk about inclusion. Right. So, so- <clears throat> yes. You had asked me uh, what my definition is, and everyone has their uh, slightly different definition, but for me, um, inclusion is the welcome uh, of all the different perspectives and uh, diverse groups you have within an organization. So the diversity is the presence of it, right? But inclusion is what really makes um, uh, for the valuing uh, positively of those characteristics. And there is the, one of the fringe benefits of uh, inclusion really is better problem solving. We know diverse groups, when uh, those perspectives are valued, incorporated, uh, feedback is, is welcome, uh, create better uh, decisions, um, create better results. So uh, in order to have it, uh, we can't just say, I have uh, diverse uh, people present, diverse businesses present, 
but we have to say, I am working, uh, acting to include uh, through welcome, uh, through valuation positively of uh, those people and businesses within my system. I love that. And what, what, I, what I truly love about what you just said is that inclusion is for everyone. We happen to be talking about racial equity and inclusion today, but the book, the next book that we're writing in, there's actually three books. So book number one that I wrote in uh, a few months ago, was published a few months ago, became an international bestseller in eight countries, 14 Amazon book categories. It was called Ignite Happiness. It's a compilation book. I wrote it with 30 other people around the country, around the world, actually, from, you know, we, we were a bestseller in the US, UK, Canada, Australia, France, um, and two other countries. <laughs> I can't remember at the moment. But what's exciting is I'm actually, next week we'll be finalizing book number two. It's called Ignite Inner Spirit. Mm -hmm. Book number four, I'm going to skip book number three for a second. Book number four is called Ignite Inclusion because, it, and I'm bringing those authors together. I'm actually one of 30 authors in book number one. I'm one of 30 authors in book number two. For Ignite Inclusion, I'm actually bringing together 30 to 50 individuals to tell their story around how they have ignited inclusion in their lives or opportunities to do so today. So it's really about how do we ignite inclusion? And it's really sharing success strategies, sharing people's real stories. It's really exciting. But the third book, the work that we're doing right now, and you've been part of this for several months. Mm -hmm. And so this initiative is, is called, it's called the Bigger Than Me Success Series, because it's so much bigger than me. It's bigger than you, Rex. Absolutely. But together, together, it's not bigger than all of us. So this idea of this Bigger Than Me Success Series designed to achieve racial equity and inclusion in business, education, wealth, and health. We're saying we're looking at systems. We're looking at systems change. We're starting focusing on businesses. To me, it's the easiest to change. Like there's no reason why. Those of us who know the value of diversity in businesses, there's no reason for us not to move forward. There's no reason for us not to drive changes. It's really been about us asking people, encouraging individuals to think differently about this topic. To, to think about what they can do to truly open up, create a space for individuals to learn, share, and grow. So we have a video we're going to share, one on perspectives. How did you like me, the first video we shared in the, in the first hour with Brene Brown on power? Fantastic. Isn't she amazing? So uh, this, are you ready for the video on perspectives, Nathan? Yeah. All right, he's ready. So we're going to show a video. I love this. I love this. Go ahead and share this video. I can't hear the sound. I used to look through the world. Um, and come back look to it. Through lenses Bottom line, uh, what Brene we, Brown says is stories that we own, we get to write the ending. And stories we don't own, own us. And I love that. I love it. He's fixed it. We're ready to play. Let's do it. We all see the world through a lens. And I want you to picture a lens that you look through the world through are used to look through the world. Um, and we look through lenses of age, ethnicity, race, ability, and that's how we see the world. And then we slide in a lot of other lenses like insight, personal experience, history, family stories, and we all see the world through this unique lens. The whiter, more Judeo-Christian, straighter, middle-class, educated we are, the more likely it is that we were told that how we see the world is actually the world and how other people see the world is another 
unreal version of the, of the world, that our, our view is the world. The thing that's hard, and the thing I think we make a mistake, even in my field in social work, we tell people that empathy is putting down that lens and picking up the lens of another person. I'm going to pick up the lens of an Asian American student who's first generation immigrant who is, we can't put down the lens. The lens is soldered to our face. That's how we see the world. So how, if empathy requires perspective taking, how do we take the perspective of other people if the lens that we see the world through is soldered to us? The answer is you believe people's stories, you believe people's experiences as they tell them to you. You believe when people tell their story and say, this is my experience of what it was like to work there. This is my experience of what it was like to be a student there. This was my experience of what it was like to be called that that you don't run that through your lens, you understand that the world that they see through their lens is as real and honest and truthful as the world that we see through our lens. And I think perspective taking, you know, there's four skills that ladder up to empathy, non-judgment, perspective taking, recognizing emotion and communicating back emotion. If you can't perspective take, we can't practice empathy because the minute we say, oh, that's a terrible story, but that's not how I see it. It's okay to have an opinion but you can't dismiss what people experience and talk about as truth. Don't you love that? No. Don't you love that? I mean, what I, what I love best about Brene Brown is that, you know, this, this clips that I just took, she did those a few years ago. She did them after the Charlottesville uh, shenanigans. And it's so interesting how applicable it is today. Right. <laughs> so right. perfect. And, and so when you think about perspective taking or when you think about the power of telling, you know, we, we the first video we shared shared was the power of telling your story. Right. The idea of being able to tell your story is important. There's another video, another P that she talks about is this idea of privilege. We're going to talk a little bit about that as well. So you can get that one ready for us, Nathan. But first, we talked about the power of telling our stories, stories that we own, stories that we're willing to talk about. We get to write the ending and stories that we don't own, they own us. And so part of the beautiful opportunity that we have here and that I and bring out of people is we create a safe space for you to own your story. We also create a safe space for you to hear others' stories and allow you to have a different experience to be able to ask questions. That's what I do as an equity and inclusion coach. If you have interest in making some headway in this space, again, you can find me on it's all bigger than me, T-H-A-N me.com, Tracy, T-R-A-C-I at it's all bigger than me.com. That's what I do. This is, I've spent 25 years in corporate America. I worked eight years at IBM, 14 years at Disney, five years at Microsoft. And, and throughout that time, I've always been part of these leadership teams, these equity and inclusion, you know, leadership teams, these volunteer roles. And the truth is, there became a time where I just could not do both. I couldn't in good conscience continue to experience, continue to be in a position where I was, I had literally done a thousand interviews with individuals who have stories to tell. And, and, and when you're, when, when, you know, when a company says one thing and they do something different, somebody has to activate. Someone has to, you know, be willing to tell their story and hope, right? And what I heard, honestly, was probably the most loving thing I could hear. These were amazing people. What I heard is that we weren't ready. It's literally what I was told by my leadership team. 
this is great. We're not, I know what you need. I understand this idea of adaptive leadership. I get, I get, I hear you. We're not ready. I even have the, the, so, so what do you do with that, Rex? When someone says they're not ready, they're not ready, they're not ready. All you can do is work with people who are ready. So if you're ready, <laughs> if you're ready for change, we're going to make sure that this work sets you up for success. We're providing those who are ready and willing everything that they need to be successful in business and in life as an individual. If you've lived a life of, life of privilege, we're going to help you lovingly. There's no guilt because you know, and it's just about each of us getting to a better place. And so this is my new career. Uh, I call it, a, 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 it must've been a, it's a career when I start getting paid to do it. And so, right, and it, when I left corporate America, I thought, this is my calling. I started a ministry called It's All Bigger Than Me Ministry because I just wanted to make this gift available to everyone. Like, even students aren't informed of what could happen, what happens to them in corporate America. So tell me a little bit about what you think, Rex, about this idea of perspective. Why well, are unique perspectives so important? Well, I, I think, you know, um, in specific reference to one of the uh, things that you said about uh, the perspective of people who say, I'm not ready. I'd like to comment on that and then work into that because uh, that perspective is important. If we, uh, as Brene Brown says, we have to believe people uh, when they tell us their stories, we have to believe that. But it's also something else going on. And that is that uh, people who aren't ready, a lot of the times in our, our culture and society, feel that they have to be perfect before they can do the thing, as opposed to progressing uh, warts and all, uh, not getting it right. Um, there is a high level of fear uh, amongst a lot of people who say, well, I don't want to say the wrong thing. I don't want to offend this particular person. Um, uh, other people who, who say, well, you know, I don't want to get in trouble if I tell them how I really feel about it. Um, that the safe spaces that you create the safe spaces that I create, the safe spaces we all agree are necessary are part of the ways we get to hear those different perspectives. And every perspective is, is beautiful and wonderful, uh, even in the, uh, even in to, uh, some, of the, some of the bleak spots, uh, because they are who we are, but they, they make us who we are. And what we're talking about is articulating uh, who we are so that we can share with one another um, some of those lessons and some of that love that creates the ability to, to move forward in life, right? Um, it is impossible <clears throat> to get, um, you know, I would say anything perfect, not just many things. Anything <laughs> I love that. So you're setting way too high a bar for equity, diversity, and inclusion, because that's really hard in the first place. But to say you've got to somehow be a success at it already in order to participate yeah. in it is the first thing that needs to be dispelled in terms of uh, really honoring the different perspectives of other people. Mm, I love that. And I love that you introduced yourself earlier. You said you're from the governor's office, business diversity, uh, business <clears throat> equity and diversity. And, um, you know, when you, in, when you introduce yourself in the last show, what I love about it, the fact that you're a preacher's kid, mm -hmm. Openly gay, black man, preacher's kid. Oh, uh, grew up in a really uh, uh, wonderful uh, Pentecostal uh, tradition. Uh, uh, my church, Church of God in Christ. 
Um, so it was a lot. Um, well, I, I got to ask you the question. How did yeah. you manage that? Because the book, the book that we're writing, the, this book on Ignite Inclusion, it's for everyone. Again, we're talking about racial equity and inclusion in the moment because some of the work that we're doing right now is around racial equity and inclusion. Um, but this concept of intersectionality, right, yeah. where I'm a woman and I happen to be black, you happen to be black and you're a man and you're openly gay and you're a genius. And <laughs> that's a level of diversity too. <laughs> so, I mean, let, let's talk about this idea of inclusion for all, because this isn't about race, it's about inclusion for all. So right. how, did, how did you navigate or what advice would you give to someone else about you know, being true to who they are and being able to navigate, being able to tell your story? In the prior uh, video, uh, Brene Brown was talking about the person who perceives things as a zero-sum game. Uh, if I have uh, uh, six pieces of pie or eight pieces of pie, I take six, then two are missing and uh, we can't really share the pie that way. It's not an infinite amount of pie, it's finite. And uh, really in terms of, uh, of managing identity, I recognize that a lot of people said you either have to be all black uh, and nothing else, uh, all gay and nothing else, uh, all something and nothing else. That is nonsense because none of us are all one thing. We're all different blends of many things. Um, that doesn't mean all of us uh, are, are gay. It just means that we are a blend of many different combinations of different things. And um, really accepting that is uh, the work of life. And for me growing up, uh, I found it um, <clears throat> really instructive uh, because I tended to think of the world as a fixed finite thing and uh, that there were no deviations from that. It was all about trying to move towards that fixed finite idea of the world, whatever that world is uh, uh, in my, at, my, at that time in my mind, it was uh, the community in which I grew up uh, with the uh, particular beliefs that I knew, um, all of that, right? So I had to, on my own, really, because we all do it on our own, come to the understanding that I was a unique individual, right? And mm -hmm. that it was okay and actually good to be a unique individual. And that I had to tell my story for other people to know that another story actually existed and that they themselves can be unique in whatever way that means. So uh, that we don't lose out on those different perspectives that have true value. So long as we suppress other people's perspectives, we really don't um, uh, live the, the, the message that we espouse. We, we, it's not real. Right. Mm -hmm. I just got chills. <laughs> to you. I was like, ooh, I just literally you just kinda shook me to my core a little bit because I think a lot of times people talk about inclusion. We talk about, you know, telling our story, but it really does take courage to mm -hmm. just live your life and say this is this is who I am, this is how I'm going to um you know, live my life, but I'm also going to put it out there because I want to help others. That's really that's why I started this bigger than me initiative this movement that's why i'm doing this show right now right because i believe that i was put on this earth to help others to achieve to live their best life and one of the areas is leadership but the other area is in this space around equity and inclusion it really doesn't have to be that difficult of a conversation 
when you have the right people in your space that can lovingly, to your point, there's no right answer, there's no wrong answer, but to lovingly take you on a journey to move forward in the conversation to wherever destination you'd like. But I think it is about just being open and being honest. And I think, um, it's, you know, you hit the, uh, the, the nail on the head with conversation. <clears throat> I think, you know, one of the, the great problems of our time that we're living right now is that we don't want to have conversation. We want to have monologues. We want to, um, uh, you know, pontificate about our particular uh, uh, set of beliefs and um, there's no room for anyone else's. So long as we continue to do that, we won't really be able to share perspectives. Yeah, I love it. I think we have another video, another P uh, video. We talked about the power of telling our story was our first uh, Brene Brown video. Then we talked about this idea of power, right? Because you, you talked about systems. Systems remain the same because people believe they're powerless to change it. That was my favorite quote. We've been doing these monthly sessions and that was my favorite <laughs> quote from you. <laughs> I just love that, systems remain the same because people believe they're powerless to change them. So we talked about power, right, in, in the last show. And then we, we showed the video about perspective. Now, there's another P that Brene Brown talks about. You you you, you ready to watch the video on privilege? Are you ready? All right, let's see it, Nathan. There's not one person that can't find privilege. I'll have a straight person say, my privilege is I can go to the movies and hold hands with my partner and not fear getting hit in the head with a baseball bat. Um, I had an African-American student last year that said, maybe it was two years ago, that said, I can wear a symbol of my religion and not fear being called a murderer or a terrorist. And she was simply talking about the fact that she wears a cross necklace. I mean, privilege is not about how hard you work. Privilege is about unearned access and authority. And so if we don't acknowledge our privilege, we don't acknowledge the pain of others, and we don't acknowledge what is the truest thing about American democracy, which should be equality. We just don't, we don't acknowledge it. Um, this is the hard thing about Facebook Live is I'm a pauser, but I'm going to pause because I want to think through everything I'm saying because I feel very emotional. Um, so I want to make sure I get it right. Um, I'll give you another example of privilege that's really personal. Uh, my name, Brene Brown, a lot of you know it. What you don't know is my name is Cassandra Brene Brown. I only know one other Cassandra Brene Brown, and she's African-American. And I only know about three other Brene's, um, all African-American. Cassandra Brene Brown is a, the, one of the most traditionally African-American names you could ever have. Um, I know this because I went to Paul Havens Elementary School in New Orleans growing up. And I was not invited to any of the white kids' birthday parties because the birthday parties were chosen off the homeroom list. I know this because I've before the era of LinkedIn and Facebook, I've walked into job interviews and literally been told, oh my God, you're Cassandra Brene Brown? What a pleasant surprise. Um, which is a very quick way to end an interview with me, but that's privilege. And that's real. I love that one too. What did you think about that? Oh, that brings back a lot of memories. <laughs> Tell me more. Oh yeah, I've been on interviews, uh, especially um, when I was uh, much younger. Uh, I 
it seemed every time I walked in the room, because the name Rex Brown, a lot of people do not think it, uh, is a name, a typical for an African-American male. So when I would walk in, I'd see jaws drop. Uh, and at the time, you know, I used to work out a lot too. So <laughs> that was really- <laughs> So you're not just a tall, dark, big muscular black man. Okay, yeah, that's a problem. And you're right, and your voice doesn't sound very black. You do sound- I, know, I've heard that too on the phone. Something, something going on. <laughs> I, I, I've, talk, I've talked with, um, you know, this happened several times. <laughs> Uh, that I, I actually had a job where uh, I was talking with someone on the phone and um, I was uh, assisting, you know, it was a customer service kind of thing. And I was assisting the person with it and uh, he would always call me back uh, because he said, yeah, the other people, they can't, you know, come up with the answers fast and they don't know this, that, and the other thing. And he mentioned something um about my colleague uh about uh, her being an african-american woman uh she had a, a thick uh jamaican accent and um how did i uh what he asked was uh how was i able to work with her and um at that point i said listen i'm giving you great customer service right you really like that yeah i said um here's the thing uh i'm african-american and so on the phone, he paused and I realized that, you know, even though I'd had this great conversation with this person, number one, he didn't realize I was African-American. And number two, it was a real problem for him. He stopped, actually, you know, he stopped calling for a while, but then he found out he couldn't get what he needed and he called me back again. <laughs> I love it. So, so um, yeah, there's something about having having a certain amount of uh, <laughs> skill in an area that, uh, despite that, people sometimes will overcome their biases. But um, yeah, so that uh, when you mentioned my uh, my particular voice, that, that that did come to mind. Mm -hmm. That it's something that uh, has happened for less often now. I think probably because of the age of uh, social media, people look you up before they even see you. So they kind of right. get a, a good idea of what you look like. Uh, because I have noticed uh, since then, uh, it's been, I think the past 10 years, uh, when putting your picture on a resume was like a big deal. Mm. Now it's just, everybody knows who everybody else is. And I think it happens a little bit less. Mm -hmm. So the discrimination you would get uh, on the initial visit it's um, not a surprise. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, but it was, it was really stark. I walked into a room, there were about 13 people. It was a big interview for this particular job that uh, uh, I was going for. And they literally looked up from the table with mouths open as I walked in and it reminded me of my first day uh, in high school. Uh, I'll be doing, uh, you know, on a panel with them. Uh, on a diversity um, uh, topic uh, later this month, but I was one of three black persons in my class. My brother was uh, one of the other black people. I think there was a total of like eight in school, a couple thousand or something like that. And when I walked in, everyone watched me as I went to sit down. <laughs> I was like culture shock. Well, on that, um, when I went to that uh, interview, I had the same thing and you know, I tell people this a lot. It was the best interview of my life. I was ready. You know, I was. That's awesome. And I knew when I left that I did not have that job. 
So, uh, because I, I recognized from their reaction, my uh, being a person of color was uh, just too much. It was too and, much. And what I think is interesting is you and I also bring a different layer of being black to the table. <laughs> you know what I mean? We can't yeah, pass. <laughs> Right, right. And I think you we, know, we can talk about that, right? We're among family and friends. Black. He was real black. <laughs> <laughs> Which right, I love. Right. So Kamala, we have to talk about Kamala. Like I think she's she's beautiful, right? She's gorgeous. Yeah. She's yeah. half black, half Indian. She has the beautiful mm -hmm. flowing hair. She's very light skinned. You and I are dark. I have a big spotlight sitting on me right now, but me as too. dark as you are. So do I. <laughs> My light is more, I think, just brighter than yours. But you are the exact same complexion. So let's put let's put you back up. So when you see us side by side, yep. we're black. Like, we're dark complexion. There, There is some yep. bias that comes with just being darker. I mean, we know that. Like, all the research says that, too. We could, we could talk about that. Being tall, dark, yep. big, right, size. Like, all those things add to the 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 um I'll say the perspective there's something that comes with that I'll put it that yeah, way absolutely. I was going to use the word bias but I'm going to say you know the the idea I, I'm about two steps from the angry black woman just because I'm tall black and big right like like you know what I mean like I can and I, I'm happy I'm smile I got none of none of that energy but because right. of the physical characteristics. Mm -hmm. You know, right? It, it, and you, like you said, you're tall, you're dark, you're big, you're working out. So you already are a threat because you're just, there's something, <laughs> right? There's right, just right. something happening there. So we, we, we have to be able to at least have conversations about these things in a loving, kind way, right? Mm -hmm. Help people to get to a different place in a loving, kind way. Because again, this is about us having conversations in business. So now let's focus on the business aspect again. So now we're back to... If you had to, um, and we again, one of the things that we're doing, we're, we're offering as a part of this initiative is this idea of a bigger than me moment. So we're creating a space for professionals, for leaders, for executives, business owners, for everyone to stop the system. So like when something happens, if you don't know what to do, all you have to do is pause and say, this feels like a bigger than me moment. There's just something here. It's bigger than me. It's not about you and it's not about me. But if I had to, if I, you know, right, if, if I'm the person who's feeling like I'm being, like there's a degree of unconscious bias, as opposed to saying unconscious bias to start, you can disarm the situation by saying, you know, this feels like a bigger than me moment. And if organizations are saying we want to change the status quo, then you're going to embrace these bigger than me moments because you're like, oh, great. That means we get to pause. We get to celebrate this idea of I get to think differently about this thing. I don't even know what it is. It doesn't even matter how it gets resolved. It's almost like if, if we're willing to acknowledge that there's a thing and we're willing to think about it differently, that is the success, right? We're gonna have a whole, we have a whole series of steps that, that people can take depending mm -hmm. on you know, what, the, what the opportunity is, who you are in the organization. There's tons of change management, but we have to get to and through the first step of there's a problem, importance of telling our stories, the idea of the, the the idea that we do have some privilege, right? We each have a different type of privilege, right? The fact that power can be shared because basically this is about shifting power. Because normally when things happen in an organization, they just keep happening. There is no stop, there is no pause, there is no 
nothing. <laughs> right? I, I really like that phrase, you know, because it is very non-threatening to say, you know, I just think this is bigger than me. Why don't we talk about it? You know, as opposed to, you know, I think this has to do with what I look like. I think this has to do about me being black. I think this is about me being dark skinned black. Man. You know, you, you don't go into those things that way. You open the possibility for the conversation so that you can walk through it. And there's going to be a whole lot of other, when you open the conversation that well, I think there are a lot of other things that are going to come up that the person, you know, they might be thinking, you know, race is the central thing, but there's other stuff going on and you can get to it. You, you, you can get to it. And I think for me, like I said, the reason I love this so much, and again, you're going to help me as we move this, this idea forward, but this, I, and, and I've had people who even black people say, I work for a corporation, this guy, um, uh, he's part of this, I'm, I'm part of the executive board for the Washington State Coalition of African Community Leaders. It's like 30 or, 30 or so different African organizations. And he um, shared that he was part of, I won't say the name of the comp- company, but a large um, grocery chain. Mm-hmm. And he was part of their leadership team for 12 years. And he's like, I, I realized, he resigned. He's like, I realized that I used to move just like everyone else. Like w- when I saw certain groups of people were were, were um, disciplined different than other groups doing the exact same thing, I, I realized that I was party to it. You know, so he told a really amazing story and, you know, he's like, I, I didn't ha- I didn't know what to say. There was nothing to do. Like it, it, you're in the middle of it. He said, I remember someone called me into a, to a, to a room and there was a lady who was listening to her headphones during while they were stalking after hours. She was listening to her music because whatever music they were playing, she didn't like. She was listening to gospel music or some other type of music. And her, her, her supervisor told her not to listen to her headphones. After hours, they're stalking the shelves. Music is being played. Not to do. She got fired. And he said, I think they had me in the room because I was black when she got fired. Now, we've had the same conversation to other people numerous times. None of those people got fired. But the fact that I was in the room, I just felt complicit. He said, I, he said honestly, it was happening, and I didn't know what to do. That would have been an opportunity for him to say, you know, this feels like a bigger-than-me moment. What does that mean? It right. means pause. It means whatever is happening, we pause. <laughs> we, mm-hmm. we get to pause. We get to stop. We get to we get to, and then, and then there's a whole, again, with a whole series of things that we can decide what happens from a change management perspective. But the idea is whatever is happening, there is voices that need to be heard, there's actions that need to be stopped because that means we're, we're not going to move the system forward. Again, this idea of systems. Tell us again, for those who may be just joining us, this idea of system. We talked about this in the first hour. But let's talk a little bit more about systems. Well, systems it's, it's are designed both. to maintain the status quo. How do you think that's going to work in a system? What, what, do you like, how do you, how, what do you think about what my, my solution, one of, one of our solutions? Well, I think that it is, uh, it is a different thing. It pushes... Um, uh, people to out of the status quo because you're asking for something different to intervene. So I think it's going to be really effective to to be able to say that because it's a couple other things too. It's not just pausing, which is crucial, right? Slowing things down is crucial because it's moving too fast, but also giving you an opportunity to get some help. This case, the person you were t- uh, from the grocery chain didn't know what to do. So even if he paused, once it begins again, he's still in a difficult situation, but he has time then to say, okay, and the, the permission, right? Time and the permission to go and consult with others. This happened. I don't know what to do about it. And usually, you know, with me, 
might change. It usually takes just a couple of phone calls, <laughs> like one phone call, and you hash stuff out with you know with my colleagues. It's uh, I get calls all the time. I called uh, my colleagues all the time. It's not something that takes a long amount of time, but it don't underestimate your need to have help when dealing with a bigger than me moment. Um, even if for you're sure. in that space for other people all the time, when it happens to you, it's different. You need help. It's kind of like a doctor trying to operate on herself. And honestly, that's how I actually felt in corporate America. I had some solutions, but it was like I was telling, I was literally, and they were open to the ideas, but I felt like I was the patient on the operating table telling the, the surgeons how to remove my appendix. That's a tenable, that's an untenable situation, right? Yeah. It, it is an untenable situation. That is not how you want to be moving forward. So doing it from the outside in with that inside out knowledge is huge. And, and it, it actually has a series of levels just so that we're on the same page. So not only can you bring other people in, but a bigger than me moment says, if organizations are willing to embrace this idea of these bigger than me moments, then it allows for a level series of escalations, right? Escalate, loving, loving escalation points, right? It could just be a pause. Each person goes away, they come back, then maybe they, they have a chance to connect with someone else. They may even have, if that doesn't work, then they got a chance to bring someone else in. No, this is, we, we're just having a bigger than me moment. We need your help, right? To think about this differently. Now each person can bring someone else in. You can escalate to different levels of leadership. You can continue in within your organization. You can escalate to outside of your organization. This idea of bigger than me moments means we're, we're creating a space. We're creating solutions that says basically simple enough, but a bigger than me moment by definition. And again, there's tons of change managers that I've done around this topic, but it is about changing the status quo one individual at a time giving you the opportunity and the space to bring others in with you, to take others on a journey with you, and for everyone to realize it's not even about you. It's not about you or the situation that you're even talking about. Absolutely. This is about changing the system. It's bigger than me. It's a bigger than me moment. It's like, hey, woo, we all get to, you know, like, if you believe the research, right, if you believe the research that we talked about at the beginning of this hour, if you believe the research in Fast Company and Wall Street Journal and Harvard Business Review and every academic institution, right, around equity and inclusion, the fact that the business case for diversity has failed without inclusion. So this is that inclusion right. solution. This is this is one of those solutions to inclusion. It's basically when something's happening, we don't know what to do because we haven't done it. For 40 years, we've been talking about it. We haven't done it. So this is part of that solution. It's right. part of the, 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 the ecosystem that allows us to lovingly say, oh my God, this is so exciting. <laughs> and organizations get to celebrate, right? It's really interesting that in the past, you know, it happened a little bit by accident because there were deliberate laws that you cannot uh, discriminate. Uh, you have to include uh, specifically at the time black people and, and people of color into uh, the workplace, women into the workplace. And what happened is a lot of people started building communities because they knew they didn't have one present, right? So if they were going to bring a black employee in, they were networking the person with leadership within the community to um, to feel connected and be connected if they had come from a, a different state. And many had come from different states, for instance, here in Washington, uh, called from all over the country uh, during the 70s. But that population has shrunk significantly and largely because those centers of community have uh, have eroded. 
as uh, people have largely moved out of the, you know, aged out of, of work, moved out of uh, the state, and there hasn't been a more deliberate inclusion policy to have that community present. So with inclusion, uh, you know, uh, allowing people to feel comfortable in that space uh, and welcome, it, it means more than uh, I check the box on uh, affirmative action. And in some states like this one, you don't even have affirmative action. I love it. And again, this is about inclusion for all, right? Part, part of this initiative is, you know, we call it the Bigger Than Me Success Series, Achieving Racial Equity and Inclusion in Business, Education, Wealth, and Health. But it's inclusion for all. It's really about how do you pause? How do you allow and create a safe space? How do you encourage people to decide that I want to be intentional, right? I mentioned earlier that I am an inclusion coach. It's one of the things I, I do. I'm a leadership coach as well. Part of what we, we do is to help individuals take you on a one-on-one -on -one journey. Organizations, if you want your department and your leadership team to think differently, we can take you mm -hmm. on that journey. If you want organizationally, for you to just think about the fact that there are different perspectives, different opportunities, it's a beautiful thing. Yes, sir, I, 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 I think a really, um, you know, uh, important um, part of welcome is also, it, you know, for this time, which is uh, uh, really clear at this time, are uh, including uh, gender pronouns because uh, if a person can see that a business is conscious uh, that um, some people may not uh, identify uh, as male who may be, some may uh, identify with they, them pronouns. And this is more into gender that uh, I think a lot of businesses are just finding out about. Uh, in our Department of Licensing, I believe they have an X category. Uh, so these things are becoming part of our world. And to be really uh, inclusive, we have a responsibility to understand those particular uh, aspects of inclusion. These are specific types of inclusion. It means more than just saying, hi, everybody, you're welcome, or hi, guys, you're welcome. Some people aren't guys, right? <laughs> so, <laughs> Listen, I'm a oh, Southern girl. I, I do that all the time. So yeah, does y'all work? Hey, y'all. <laughs> <'all laughs> pretty generic. <laughs> y'all works perfectly. I think the South really had it. Uh, had it down. They had it covered. <laughs> I love that. Oh, you're, you're so amazing. I can't believe you have less than five minutes in this uh, in this time together. Well, I any... don't believe it either. It's been a pleasure to be with you. You, you, you're amazing. I just, I literally just wanted to make sure I got some, some more specific uh, insights from you. Um, and in this way, this has been such a pleasure. Is there anything else that you would share as a call to action for leaders, for individuals, for organizations? But, you know, if you're, if you're speaking to a leader of a, of a business and, and the question is, how do I create more inclusion in my company? Mm -hmm. What would you share? Uh, I would tell them to stop um, pigeonholing their employees, much like uh, has happened in the past, um, envisioning uh, employees as only capable of being in one particular area and starting to think big. If you have a highly qualified candidate who for a particular job uh, interview is not um, uh, going to get that uh, particular position, work a little bit harder to make sure that person is considered in other opportunities. Do something like have your recruiters reach out to the person to tell them about specific opportunities. 
uh, mention names of uh, people who are women, uh, minorities, uh, 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 people who uh, have a different gender identity uh, within your organization. Mention them. Talk about them. Talk about because you're talking about likely other people who don't look like them, uh, who don't have that experience. So I would say uh, focus more on the personal and then look at your system. See if it's a reflection of that. Uh, and like I said, for us, what was really successful is saying, hey, here are the numbers. Are you really happy with that? Is that 1%, you really, you really think that's okay? Went down from 16 to 1%. To be able to, in the moment, uh, talk to em employers like that, but then to have employers be able to hear that. So make the space to hear it, you know, and that is in the personal. That's the area where we just have to personally open up and say what you're going to say is probably not um, something I want to hear, but it's not it's not mean. It's just reality. Mm. Mm. I love it. So the, the last thing I'm going to ask you as we close is this idea of youth. You know, uh, you know, Barack Obama, Barack Obama wrote the book, The Audacity of Hope. We got two minutes left. Are you hopeful that we can truly drive change? I, I am extremely hopeful. But if you yeah. were going to end with some hopeful call for youth, or maybe for someone who's been in the struggle for 40 years, it's like, oh, Lord, maybe now we could actually change things. Or maybe youth who are just like, oh, my God, I can't believe this is happening. What can you share with us? How hopeful are you that we can drive change and truly achieve equity and inclusion for all? Um, I would say that uh, I am extremely hopeful, uh, not a little bit, but very. Uh, I think that um, for youth, uh, they should just look back at the um, last 70 years, where we have come from, to get an idea of what they're dealing with today. And uh, I would also say to, you know, to keep the fire, you know, mm -hmm. it's not... Um, this is not something that's going to be um, easy because um, everybody wants it. Uh, it's going to require every single bit of energy and strength and willpower uh, that brought them to this place right now, that brought this country to this place right now, uh, just simply continue. And it's kind of like losing weight, right? It doesn't happen all overnight, but <laughs> over time with consistency, we get there. I love that you brought up the weight reference because I like to say that this is the one I like to share. Just because you know what to do doesn't mean you're willing to do it. All right? right. We know we all know how to lose weight. The question is, are we doing what it takes to do so? So this is Tracy Arrell. We're out of time, but we're not out of intention. We're going to continue this work. This is Tracy Arrell. It's bigger than me. Got this. Thank you for having me. It's wonderful. Thank you.